0: Once again, I want to express my appreciation for all those that are here tonight. It has been a joy and a blessing to Tanya and I uh, to be here and work this week with this congregation. This is the part where uh, I struggle perhaps more than any other uh, aspect, if you will, of, uh, of this type of thing uh, when I don't have exactly down in what I want to say. Uh, so I will do my best. Uh, this, is, this may be where i forget a few things and I'll think of them later on, and, but I'll start with uh, how grateful uh, Tanya and I were to uh, be asked come and to be here this week. It's been on our calendar for quite some time and we have looked forward to it and you did not let us down. Uh, You have welcomed us here. Uh, We have thoroughly enjoyed all the meals. I've jokingly said that uh, I'm at least, I've ate so much this week that I'm just not going to eat next week. Uh, You have done very well. We appreciate so much the hospitality Getting to know the, the young ones, uh, getting to know you as individuals and families, uh, it really is a blessing. And there, the future conversations that I'm sure that we'll have with Josh and Aaron uh, over the next couple of months and we hear more stories of what's going on and what's taking place, uh, we'll be able to have faces with those names now. Uh, but I want you to know how much uh, it means to uh, Tanya and I uh, for the invitation and how much we greatly appreciate the work that is being done here, and we expect uh, that to continue. Someone asked me earlier uh, this evening if I saved the best for last, and I very quickly said absolutely, and I really think so. We've, we've kind of been building uh, over time uh, various aspects of faith, and tonight, the, the, the idea that I want to talk about tonight, I, I really think is the best aspect of our faith in God. And what we're going to talk about, what we're going to look at is such a wonderful thing. Today my goal is to help us appreciate what the scriptures call the joy and peace in believing. Romans chapter 15 In verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because of the things that we encounter in our life, there are things that cause us sadness. We all recognize that. There is a joy and a peace in believing, in faith in God I know that you are aware that happiness and joy and peace these are these are all qualities that that all normal people want to have and what we see is that some seek happiness through through pleasure some seek happiness through wealth there are others that that seek happiness through the possessions that they have you know they're very happy with the the two-car garage and the three-bedroom house and and the boat out back and a couple of four-wheelers or or whatever it may be that's the things the possessions the things that they have that's what makes them happy there are some people that happiness comes through power that they may have it may be the jo- the joy and the happiness that they have by having workers underneath them and and the power i dare say there's a many leaders across this nation that for lack of a better term are are just drunk with power that that's where all their joy is in the power that they wield over others there are some that find great joy and happiness in in art there are some that find happiness in knowledge and there are some who find great happiness in just being by themselves and all alone somewhere I'm not saying any of those things are right or wrong what I'm doing is reminding us that people seek for happiness So regardless of how different people seek happiness, all normal people, they want happiness over gloom. They're out seeking for joy and not despair. And they want hope instead of pessimism. Now let me remind you by highlighting a few scriptures that That show what God reveals within the Bible. There is a unique joy, there is a unique peace and a a unique happiness that comes only through faith in God. John chapter 14. John chapter 14 and verse 27 tells us: peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid. John chapter 15 and verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. John chapter 16 and verse 20. Most assuredly I say to you that that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into Joy. Acts chapter 8, or excuse me, John chapter 16 and verse 22. John 16 and verse 22. Therefore you now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. John 16 and verse 33, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus is talking with his disciples and he's reminding them of this joy and this peace and this happiness that comes through a faith in him. Acts chapter 8, in verse 8. We looked at Acts chapter 8 at various times over the course of this week. Philip is preaching in Samaria and there was great joy in that city. Acts chapter 13 and verse 52, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. The disciples, those who believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Romans chapter 5 and verse 11, Paul says, not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received the reconciliation. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 8. We've looked at this verse many times over the course of the week. Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. So what God assures us, what God assures to all who will listen to him is that there's a unique joy, there is a peace, there is a happiness to those who become real Christians, a joy and a peace in believing. That's what we saw in Romans 15 and verse 13. A joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. When I think about this joy and peace in believing, I often think also about the despair and the pessimism that comes with disbelief. You might be familiar with with this this phrase. You may have seen this perhaps on uh, some sign somewhere that says, no Christ, no peace. No Christ, no peace. No peace. And it's a play on words, obviously, of the word no and how they're spelled. And kind of a little, it's a little clever uh, trick. And, and I'm sure that, that that's part of uh, the, uh, the appeal for it. But it's true. If we know Christ, if we believe in him, if we're following his instructions, we know we have peace and joy but without Christ. If you don't have Christ, like those gentiles that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 1, those who were in former times who were without Christ, they were alienated from Christ. They did not know Christ. Well, they If you don't know Christ, he's not there with you. If you're without him, you have no peace. A famous skeptic Voltaire is an example of this kind of thing that we're talking about, looking at this idea of the pessimism and the despair that comes with disbelief. Voltaire says, and this was near the end of his life, I wish I'd never been born. Someone else summed up the pessimistic, Atheistic view of life by saying, in an infinite universe, on a planet the size of a pin, we are two specks of dust away, uh, waiting to be blown away. Just just stop and think about that. What we're illustrating, we're going to look at the other side of this here before the end of the lesson. But from this person's viewpoint, looking at it in the grand scheme of the whole universe and drawing down to this one little rock floating around a a ball of gas and then drawing down inside that down to just the very individual. They're thinking of it as nothing more than just we're dust, we're ready to be blown away. What a pessimistic way to consider our life. Bertrand Russell is an individual who expressed the pessimism of unbelief perhaps more vividly than, than anyone else in his atheistic view of life he says man is the product of causes which had no previous uh, had no pre, pre uh, prevision of the end of the day, end that they were achieving his origin his growth his hopes and fears his loves and his beliefs are but the outcome of accidental co of atoms. He goes on to say, talking about the, his attitude toward the, what, uh, what humans can accomplish or have accomplished, he says all the labors of the ages, all the devotions, all the inspiration, all the noonday brightness of human, human genius are destined to extinction in the vast depth of the solar system. Now, think about what he's telling us here. As he's looking out and he's thinking about all the accomplishments, all that mankind has done, just just stop and think in your own lifetime. What are some things that have been accomplished? In my lifetime, man's landed on a moon. They walked around and they got back home safe. And, and some of you realize, when we think of the, go to the, we had an opportunity, Tanya and I went to the museum in Mulvane today. And you see all the, the old farm implements. You know, the axes, the hatchets, uh, the, the, uh, the spinning wheels and all these kinds of things that we see in, in museums and such. We don't use those things anymore because those are accomplishments. Those are things that we right-thinking individuals, believers, see as accomplishments and good. We see the good in them. But this individual is looking at it as it's all just destined to extinction. It's of no real value whatsoever. He goes on and gives his pessimistic philosophy toward life itself. He says, Belief, brief and powerless is man's life on him and on his race. The slow, sure doom falls pitiless and dark. For man condemned today to lose his dearest tomorrow himself, to pass through the gate of darkness, it remains only to cherish ere the blow falls, the lofty thoughts that ennoble his little days. This man continues on and we get his verdict on life. This is his attitude. This is an agnostic individual. This is someone who is not sure that there is a God. And we talked about uh, the difference between atheist and agnostics uh, several days ago. But his verdict on life. The life of man is a long march through the night. Surrounded by invisible foes, tortured by weariness and pain, towards a goal that few can hope to reach, and where none may tarry long. Now, again, the reason that I read these things is not to depress us. Don't get me wrong. I'm not reading these things in order to get in your mind and get into a depressed state. I'm illustrating, I'm letting you see what individuals who do not have a faith, how they view life. They illustrate the frustration. They illustrate the pessimism. They illustrate the despair that disbelief logically leads to. If somebody will follow them to their logical end, You have no belief in God. If you think that we're just all here by happenstance and that this just all came about by chance, then, yeah, you follow that to the logical conclusion and this is what you end up with. Now, I want you to think about what a contrast that is to the joy and the peace that real Christians have. Now, I'm not suggesting that there's not going to be times in our life when we're going to be frustrated, that there's going to be some things that will cause us to despair and such. I, I'm not suggesting that. But the end term, the long goal, the overriding aspect is joy and peace because of our faith in God. So when we look at What do we have of the Christian's joy and peace? We have confidence in the creator's love. Part of where we get our joy, part of where we get our peace as Christians, as children of God, as faithful believers in Jesus and in God, in our confidence, it comes from the love that God shows us. The reality of a creator who fully loves us, who knows us, he knows our needs, and he's fully able to care for us. And just as we go through these, think of them and how stark of a contrast they are to what we read from that agnostic individual. The idea of, well, we're just a few two specks of dust waiting to be blown away, have no real idea of anybody that's looking out for or caring for us, versus the idea of those who have faith in God, those who believe in Jesus Christ, they have a confidence in the love that God has for us. That's the faith that says, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, or verse 32 tells us, For after all these things the Gentiles seek, and we know that context. The context is telling us, talking to us about what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, things of that nature. After all these things the Gentiles seek, and in this context, the Gentiles, those unbelievers, those that are not a part of God that's what the world that's what the unbelievers are seeking but your heavenly father knows that you need all these things when we realize and we have a belief in the word of god we believe that god says i know what you need and i will take care of you and the following verse seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness And all these things will be added to you. That means that there's something that we're going to get. And Christians know that that's salvation. That's a relationship with God. But God knows. You need some things to eat. You need some things to wear. You need things to just make life here on this earth. And God knows those things. And he's going to take care of those things. Confidence that we have in. God's love for us Matthew chapter 10 verse 29 through 31 are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will but the very hairs of your head are all numbered do not fear therefore you who are more value than many sparrows I'll pause and just give a little levity for a minute I read this verse God knows the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Yeah, it's easy for me. Zero. It's not entirely true. That just happens when I shave. But the thought cursed to me. And I'll give you, a little, give you a little something to think about, a little task, if you will. When you walk outside and you see the birds flutter away from the ground as you walk out, remember God knows exactly where they are and how many feathers are on that bird. When you walk into a spider web and you're getting it out of my face and all that kind of stuff, know that God knows what that spider web is and what he's doing and what he needs. But more importantly, if we can get in our mind that as we're going down the road and we see the animals, we see the sky, we see the birds in the air, we see the trees swaying in the wind, and we realize and we think, purposely think about God knows these things are going on that we remember what Jesus tells us do not fear therefore you are of more value than many sparrows if we can remember that God knows about those birds that fly off when we walk up close to him or the squirrels that scamper around in the parks well we're of more value than they And God knows what we need. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. The Apostle Paul says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, just think about that verse for a second. Notice what he says, that when these things take place, be anxious for nothing, don't worry about things. He's not saying don't be concerned and don't act appropriately. Don't take action. Don't just sit back and do nothing and say, God's going to take care of it all. No, that's contrary to what the scriptures teach. We're supposed to be working and taking care of our families and, and, and supporting others. But he says, not anything to be anxious about, Talk to God, be in prayer with him and giving him thanks and supplication. That's the idea of making a request to God. Let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. That's the description of the peace of God. So if we take that out kind of a, 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 that, that in the commas, that between the two commas there, the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. Have you ever stopped to think that it doesn't say the peace of God might? Guard your hearts and minds? The peace of God may. Let's see, that's not what it says. The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ, through our faith in Him, our confidence that we have through the Scriptures that God loves us, that God cares for us, that God wants what's best for us. So we read in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. These are things we need to remind ourselves when life seems real difficult. When things don't seem to be going just quite the way we thought they should. Well, we cast all of our care upon him. He cares for us the burdens that we have in this life, we can can lay them at his feet. We can acknowledge these things to him. And it's because he cares for us. So again, while the atheists may say that we're specks waiting to be blown away, Christians have a joy and have a peace in the confidence that a loving creator can overrule our lives and overrules The world, the confidence that we have in God's love. The Christian's joy and peace comes through a confidence in God's promise to forgive. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Having been justified, that's been made right. That's having had our sins forgiven. God looking at us and knowing that we're sinful creatures. But when we're obedient to his instructions, when we are baptized to have our sins washed away, or for those that have done that, when we repent of our sins and confess our sins, God is faithful and just to take the blood of Christ and cleanse us of our sins. We are then justified. How are we justified? We're justified by our obedience, by our works, the actions that we take. Our obedient faith and what do we receive well when we're justified we have peace with God we're not standing at odds with him we're at peace with him and we have that through our Lord Jesus Christ Romans chapter 5 verse 11 and not only that but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received the reconciliation the promises that God has that he is going to forgive us of our sins. You think about what we see with Philip and the eunuch. You remember the story in Acts chapter 8 as the eunuch is traveling back uh, from Jerusalem and he's reading from Isaiah. The, uh, the, uh, spirit, Philip is told to go catch up to him. He catches up to him. He talks to him. He preaches to him Jesus. Starts to the Old Testament Scriptures, and he preaches Jesus to him. They come along to the body of water, and the eunuch's asking, is there anything hindering me from being baptized? And Philip says, no, if you believe, then you can. And he says, I believe. And Philip baptizes the eunuch. They come up out of the water. Do you recall what the attitude, what the actions of the eunuch was? He went on his way rejoicing. Joy and peace. Our faith in Jesus Christ. The same thing is seen in the Philippian jailer. Paul and Silas in the jail in Philippi. The gates are open, all the things, and uh, the, the jailer thinks everybody has escaped, and Paul says, Don't do yourself any harm. He asks the question, What do we need to do? They go and they teach him. He immediately is baptized. And in Acts chapter 16 and verse 34, says he rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. So what we have is that disbelief that has no answer for the guilt right conscience. There is a wonderful joy. There is a wonderful peace. There is a wonderful hope for those who can say, Though I have fallen, God has forgiven me. Though I have sinned, Christ has redeemed me. Do you see the contrasting ideas? between the pessimistic, unbelief. I don't know how, I don't know why all this is happening. The wonderful joy and the peace from the promises of God to forgive us of our sins. Part of this joy and peace comes from our confidence even when problems in life can be made stepping stones toward greater strength and greater service. For us to realize that when things happen to us that we don't right understand at that point in time, but how great they can be to help us further on in our lives. James chapter two, or excuse me, James chapter one, beginning of verse two, James says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Will it be difficult at times? Absolutely. Absolutely. Are trials going to come? Absolutely. He says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. There will be trials. There's not a bed of roses. It's not the easy street being a Christian. Remember, we talked about a couple of days ago how Satan's out to get us. He's throwing fiery darts. There's going to be some trials. There's going to be some difficulties. But what are we supposed to do when we encounter those things? Count it all joy and let them lead us on to greater service romans chapter 5 verses 3 and 4 not only that but we also glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope you know the more we endure the greater we're able to accomplish I think we see that and I think we understand that in our in our physical body. You know, what's the old saying, no pain, no gain? Is is there any harm, is there anything wrong with us kind of considering that same thing in our spiritual aspect? No pain, no gain? That's the idea of, well, I'm going to to start lifting these weights and I need to go heavier, I need to go more, I need to go more reps, I need to go heavier weights and we just keep building on and all of that is building up our strength so that we're able to do those things. So while disbelief sees tragedies and trials as grim and meaningless burdens, don't understand that there's a point to it. It's just something you've got to endure, and you're going to endure that in their ideas on the road to oblivion. Just, just that's just part of it, you're, for no reason whatsoever. Before a child of God, for those that have faith in God and in Jesus Christ. It is that faith that enables Christians to see them as opportunities to grow stronger and demonstrate their faith and their love for God. And let me suggest to you, they will not go unseen. When others are aware of, Of the difficulty that you're going through. And the struggles that you're dealing with. Yet they see you. Go through those things and and, and tackle them head on. Because of your faith in God. Well, it'll be seen. It'll be noticed. And what a wonderful way that we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others when they notice things about I mentioned Wednesday night and I was trying to think through a way to appropriately uh, pass along information I I mentioned and it was announced Wednesday night of the the 90 year old elder uh, that was near the end He passed away Thursday morning. And in talking with the family and knowing them, uh, it became very obvious how they were dealing with it. It It's not a tragedy, it's not something to sorrow over because here is a man that was faithful to God and he's reaping his reward. Now again, I realize that things like that can happen, and we think, I don't understand. And I think that's okay. As long as we don't get to the point where we say, I don't understand, and I don't think God is taking care of me. If we look at it and say, I don't know why, but I know you know why talking to God. And I'm going to trust you because you know better than I do. I don't think that I have. I don't recall mentioning this from the pulpit, but I... I'll give a personal example. Not long after my family and I moved to Athens, Georgia, I got a phone call from my brother early in the morning. And the simple phrase that he said was, Rebecca's gone. He was killed in a car wreck. And over the time, as we processed through that and thought through this, there were a lot of individuals that asked the question, why? Why did this happen? I don't know why other than it did. And there was a reason for it. But one thing that kind of struck me is when when the question was, ri- was raised of why did this happen to us? I started responding with, why not us? Why not? It depends upon our idea, depends upon our mindset of when these things happen, when they take place, how do we respond? Are we gonna look and we're gonna just chunk it all and say I don't believe anything else and this is all crazy and go to the agnostic, pessimistic, unbelieving viewpoint, Or will I have a confidence knowing that we're going to go through some tribulations? And those tribulations are going to produce perseverance. And that perseverance is going to produce character. And that character is going to produce hope. And what a great joy and a blessing it is to have a hope in Almighty God. Part of our confidence comes from living to serve God and trying to save others. It's a meaningful life. And it's a meaningful life in a world where there is so much meaninglessness. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. I've already started down the road of personal stories. I will tell one more. This verse becomes very difficult for me to read because I read it at my father's graveside. But it meant a great deal to me, and I've preached from it many times before because it is a valuable thing for us to understand. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. When we are still here, we've still got work to do. Now there's a steadfastness that we need to be. We're firm, we're fixed upon the gospel and the truth that is found within it. But he says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. See, the simple fact is that though many seldom contemplate this idea, the tallest buildings are going to someday collapse. The latest peace treaty is eventually going to be broken. The latest medical discovery can merely delay death. It doesn't obliterate it. And the loudest applause are going to at some point in time fade and be forgotten. Do you remember what we read earlier from that skeptic Bertrand Russell? Realizing, he said, the whole temple of man's achievement must inevitably be buried beneath the debris, of a universe in ruins. That's the material world. But a Christian who spends their life serving God and saving others, well, they have a peace and a joy knowing that what He's doing is something that matters. And will endure. I just had the thought occur to me. We mentioned a few things about archaeologists and such over the course of the week, and, and just finished up a, a study of the seven churches of Asia uh, back home in, in in Alabama. And you go back to those cities, those ancient cities, whether it be Ephesus or Sardis or or Laodicea. And there's no buildings there in those towns anymore. They're all covered up with rubble. But you know what has endured? What is still active, still going? is the lives of those faithful men and brethren. The things that they did. They have an enduring quality for those who are faithful living eternally with God. And the words that we read about of those Christians in the first century, whether in Jerusalem or Samaria or the uttermost parts of the world, when those who remain faithful, they have an enduring legacy. The Hebrew writer tells us that even Abel, who's dead, still speaks. And friends, we've got to realize that. That our lives are meaningful. And they can... And will endure when we are faithful. So that part of our peace and our joy comes from the confidence that we have in an eternal home. Romans chapter five, verses one and two, again. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I don't think we can read it enough, especially when we're considering the things this week that we have. In 1 Peter chapter 1, In verse 8, "...whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls." You see, there's an aspect that we see within the Scriptures, that when we're obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we receive salvation now. We are saved. We're no longer lost. Now, as long as we're still alive, our actions will dictate whether we remain in a right relationship with God or whether we stray away from Him. Those that remain in a right relationship, they have an opportunity, they have a hope, they look forward to an eternal salvation. Receiving the end of your faith, the result of your faith, the reward of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The Christian's joy and peace is in the confidence that we have in these things. So there really is a joy and a peace that Christians can have through believing. Because Jesus promised it. And the early Christians, they experienced it. And it's still available to all real Christians today. We can have that joy. We can have that peace in our confidence, in the love and the care of that all-wise creator. We can have that joy. We can have that peace in the confidence in God's promises to forgive our sins. We can have that joy, we can have that peace in the confidence that even in life's problems, those can be turned into something positive. And in confidence that living for God, well, it's truly a meaningful life. And the confidence of our eternal home with God when this life is over. And if in the past you have had that joy and peace, but you've lost it, you've lost it because of sin, because of actions that you have taken, because of actions that you have not taken, we can regain it again. I will remind you of what the psalmist says in Psalm 51 and verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Friends, I want to remind you that if you have never known true joy and peace, you can also possess it. You can gain that joy and peace by becoming a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, confessing that faith before others, repenting of your sins and being baptized. Remember, The Philippian jailer, he rejoiced believing in God with all his household. Not only will there be a joy that you will experience in becoming a child of God, but all those around you who are faithful will experience a joy and be blessed. And not only those around you, but also the angels in heaven. You can begin your life service to God and experience over the course of what God allows you to have on this earth, joy and peace through a faith in Jesus Christ. If there's some means by which we can help you, we would like for you to make it known together as we stand and sing to encourage you.